How does success happen? How is a failure overcome? Every entrepreneur has a story to tell. On the Life's Risks and Rewards podcast, we invite local entrepreneurs for a conversation about the challenges they've faced and the successes they've earned. Hello, I'm your host, Patrick Chamberlain of Allen Insurance and Financial, and I am here with our guest, Tom Welch. Tom is the owner and founder of Mainly Handrails in Fairfield, Maine. And we're here live from Mainly Handrails Workshop, their home base here in Fairfield. But anyways, Tom, how are you doing today? Great. Awesome. What have you been up to? You said you were down in Southern Maine earlier. I was in Southern Maine earlier today doing some measurements on a couple projects we landed. And actually, I looked at a couple other projects that we're hoping to land. So that's my job. Fantastic. What? I want to get right into it, Tom. Tell me your story. Tell me about Mainly Handrails. How did Mainly Handrails get to where it is today? You could tell us, you know, what does Mainly Handrails do and in the story of where you got to where you are. So I always wanted to be a welder because when I was in high school, they didn't have welding classes then, but I um, ended up going into the plumbing and heating to uh, Votech. And that wasn't really what I wanted to do, but that's what I did because that was... I went in there and they, were, they had a big burner on the bench and they were firing it and it had five gallon an hour nozzle in it. So it was quite a big flame. Anyway, that's why I ended up going there. And I, I only took the first, I took the first half of the class one year and I didn't go back the second year. And yeah, I, I so I, I sort of uh, jumped around working just different jobs. And I, well, let me back up a little bit. So. I never finished high school. Well, I fin- I get a high school diploma uh, through night school. I had to take two, uh, an English and a science class. So while I was taking that English and science class at night, they actually had a welding class, uh, adult ed. So I started off, I took my first welding class there and I got my diploma, which was to me a big deal, finally. And I, th- I got my diploma. I know this sounds foolish, but I got my diploma because I thought that I needed my diploma to take welding classes at the local college. It turns out you didn't need the diploma, but hey, I got it anyway. So I got my diploma. I took the welding class. One, they called it welding one. And then I went to the local. Oh, actually, I ended up getting a, a small scholarship from the night school about like 500 bucks. So that helped pay for one of my welding classes at uh, the local college. So I ended up taking welding two and three. Well, while I was taking them, finishing up the, the, the third class, I applied for a job at UPS. Well, they like to hire college students. So I took, they ended up hiring me and the pay was pretty good. So I'm like, Hey man, why do I want to go into welding? This is a pretty good career. So I ended up working for UPS. This is where things get a little weird. So I worked there four years. Well, I started to get in some trouble with some drinking, with my drinking. So I ended up losing my job at UPS. And that's yeah, you, can't, you can't drive UPS trucks you can't drive UPS when you're drinking every day. Drinking. So that didn't work good. And then I, Ended up getting multiple OUIs, so they, needless to say, they let me go. <laughs> you know, looking back now, it wasn't funny, it wasn't nothing to laugh about back then, but it was the change, it's, it was the, it started the direction of changing the way I was conducting my life and whatever. So for a few years, I just sort of bounced around. My drinking was getting to be a real big problem, and, and you know, I'd taken them well in class, never pursued them, and yeah, so finally it's... I decided I needed to do something about my drinking, so I got sober, and that was a little bit of a challenge. I had some relapses and stuff like that, but finally, I I, I finally 
I surrendered to drinking and said, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I had all kinds of energy and decided that, hey, you know what? I did this welding. I, let me try to pursue something with the welding. So I, I had a regular job. I bought a welder and I started out my garage and I started welding some handrails because I bought a house and I needed some handrails for it. And all the, all the neighbors were come, you know, saying how beautiful they were. And so that really was what started it. You know, I, I, you know, I had some newfound energy because I put down the, the booze and never expected it to get to where it is now. But I mean, at that time, I just, you know, was just pecking away, working a full-time job and, and, and building handrails on the side and installing them. Just a one-man operation, sort of like a, I don't know if I want to say it was a hobby, but I, I mean, I knew I wanted it to be successful and work for myself at some point once I started doing it, but I didn't realize it was going to get to where it's at now. So correct me if I'm wrong, when you were drinking, there was a lot of dreaming going on, but not much action. Just day in, day out, oh, I, I want to be a welder. I want to do this. I want to do that. Things will be different. But once you were able to sober up, you could really focus and, and take action on the things that you'd been thinking about prior to. Absolutely. That is exactly, and I left, the, there's a lot of, you know, I can go back and, you know, I grew up poor and I had all these dreams. And then, you know, as my, unfortunately, as my drinking progressed, all these dreams of things that I wanted to do took the back seat. And then when I finally gave up and said, I'm done, I'm done with the drinking, all these things I had thought about and, and you know, I talked to people and I'd talk, and I, hey, I was a guy when I told you I was going to do something, I'd do it, but then I became a guy, I'd go, oh yeah, someday, someday, someday. Well, someday finally came. Finally for me, it came. But yeah, absolutely. I, I, I started to pursue it and uh, I don't even know how I did it. I don't even know how I worked a full-time job and did what I did to get it to this point. But I, I like I said, I had a lot of energy and- and you still have a lot of energy. Yeah. And listen, I think I'm a likable guy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I and what I did what I did too was uh, there weren't many fabricators out there that were willing to do the whole shoot mat. So that was my that was my little niche. Is you called me for handrails, I would fabricate the handrails, powder coat the handrails, and then go install them. And because you know wrought iron, most customers ain't gonna be like, oh, okay, they don't want to chase, you know, get the fabricator and then find someone to paint them and then find someone to install them. So that was my little niche, and. I think that was one of the big reasons it took off is because I was offering the whole shooting match. Now, I want to go back to you beginning mainly handrails. So you clean up. I'm assuming at that point, it's not like you were sitting on a boatload of money. I mean, at the end of drinking, I'm sure you were, you know, not sitting on a bunch of capital to start mainly handrails. How did you go about the first year? How did you do it? You know, it's funny you run that up because I remember getting customers where I'd have to get the money, part of the money for the handrails, I'd get a deposit, and literally I'd get enough material to do exactly what they wanted done. No more, no less. No extra material for mess ups. No error. No error, right? I mean, there was times where when I was building rail, the angle would run off or whatever, and I'd be numbing it, not paying attention. Well, after I realized what was on, I'd literally have to take my time, cut the material back without destroying it because it's like gold, right? I can't afford to go. So yeah, no money. You know, it took me, I mean, the, my biggest expense was buying a welder. And I mean, I started off with a welder, a chop saw with an abrasive blade and a drill press. Oh, and a set of torches. Those are the four things I had. That's all I needed. Didn't take a ton of money. Well, but when I, when, hey, listen, 
when I stopped drinking, I saved myself a lot of money. So I was like taking that little bit of money, investing in some equipment. My biggest expense was the well lift. But so that's what it was. And then because I had a full-time job, so my my full-time job covered my 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 living expenses and stuff. And my my side thing at the time was, you know, I wasn't really taking any money. I was just rolling it. Oh, okay, I'll buy this and I buy. I mean, I look back, you know, some days it just amazes me when I walk through my shop now and I think about a lot of these guys that work for me, there's a few that know, but don't even realize what they have like 10 sets of clamps hanging off their table. I don't know, six tables, fab tables down there. It's like, I, you literally have to buy like a set every couple of weeks or something, you know, it's just, and now it's like, we just got a shop full and something as simple as that. But yeah, I, I didn't have all this money falling out of my pocket. Just had to peck away and buy a little here. And the thing that saved me though, like I said, is that I had a full-time job mm-hmm. and I, again, I had all kinds of energy because I was focused and, 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 uh, and yeah, that's, that's basically how I did it. And then, you know, I remember buying, you know, I went from my, my first welder to like another welder, which was a smaller MIG welder versus my big TIG welder I had. And I was like, man, I thought I was the, you know, I thought that was it. I'm like, oh, now I got two nice welders. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I've arrived. I've arrived. And I had a small shop, right? But, you know, that's another thing. I started out in my garage and I quickly outgrew that. And then I went to an 800 square foot garage that was like, you know, three times the size of the garage I started in. And I felt like, wow, man, this is crazy. I got all this room. Well, then a short time, I outgrew that. I say short time, probably about three years. And then I went from that 800 square foot to 3,800 square foot. And then I outgrew that in two years. And then, because none of it. You know, now we're here with this, you know, and even this we're about growing, but it's like. Yeah, this is sizable building. Sizable building and we're brushing up the scenes and we got. You're ready for another one. Another for another one, but we got to slow down a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah rain it in, rain mm. it in. Let me ask you this, Tom. What is one thing you wish you had known when you were starting out the business? Something that you know now. Well, I've been told education in its many forms can be very expensive. I've also been also been told that most people that go to school for business don't start their own business because they they learn all the ins and outs. I've heard that, but I was too naive to know all that. So, I guess the biggest thing that's been a learning thing for me is once you get to a certain level of purchasing different things, the financial part of growing a business. Right, I I was a guy that had all I could do always to get through school. Not because I was a dumb kid, I just had a bad attitude and just really didn't pay attention. But yeah, I maybe, you know, there's been a lot of things, but I think the biggest one that I think I've struggled with is, was financially knowing certain ways to go and not really, I didn't really have, and not that I wouldn't ask people, but I thought, it, you know, I'd ask anybody anything I had to that would maybe be able to help me if I was trying to figure out something that I was maybe welding and I didn't know or, not, or fabricating. But when it came to like a financial question, I didn't really want to go ask somebody. I don't know if that makes sense. I, it does. I, I didn't have a problem asking anybody about anything else about my business. But when it came to like financial stuff, I, I just felt like, well, that's, they're going to think I'm stupid. So it would be looking back, you would have had someone that was extremely knowledgeable on the financial end right from the get-go to bounce things off of yeah. as you grew. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with insurance. You know, it's it's very smart to have someone that's knowledgeable about the commercial insurance that you need as you grow. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That was another thing. I, as we've grown, we've learned all these things that mm-hmm. I didn't know and didn't, 
right? I had no idea about a lot of this stuff that I was gonna do. I had blinders on. I think most people that are maybe like me that are, you find out a lot of things and you go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> hey, you don't know what you don't you know. You don't know what you don't know. And I've made some painful decisions, expensive mistakes. I mean, you hope as you grow, you, you have less of them. But I mean, I'm, I'm ridiculous to think that I, I'm not going to make. Good thing you don't know about what you're going to do mm. from mistakes. Because mm-hmm. I mean, some of them I would have been like, do I even really want to do this? <laughs> well, that goes back to your comment about, you know, those that go to business school end up not starting their own business. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you'd known about half of the challenges that you're going to encounter, maybe you'd think twice about working for yourself and you'd work for somebody else. Yeah, there's a trade-off. There's definitely a trade-off when you work for yourself. But what you've done for the community here is amazing. I, I think you have roughly 25 employees. Yeah, I think, yeah. By the end of this week or next week, we'll end up, I think, yeah, 25, 26, 24 to 26 employees. Yeah, and you and your wife are very generous in the community. Everyone speaks highly of you that I've talked to in the area. Yeah, you know, I, that part, I, I, I didn't get to where I'm at today by, listen, I had to do some footwork, but there was a lot of people that believed in me and a lot of people... And then, you know, my years, I think a lot of it goes back to my years of not being such a productive member of society. And I just, listen, just try to do my part, pay it forward. I mean, a lot of people have helped me along the way. And yeah, so that's, that's what it is for me is, you know, I've, I've been helped along the way and I'm just trying to pay it forward whenever I can. What is the best advice you've ever received? Well, you know, it comes, so about a, I don't even know if it was a year ago, somewhat of a family member, I was talking about my 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 financial struggles about growing. And I had talked to a few different people about it and a few different people had said probably the same thing, but I wasn't listening. And it was on a Sunday and this guy hadn't seen him in a while. He's a, you know, a, a family through marriage. So anyway, we haven't, we hadn't seen each other in a while and I invited him over to see what was going on. And I knew he was in the banking world. So I, I, I threw some things at him and told him what was going on. And basically saying, you know, the struggles, you know, cash flow and this and that. And he goes, based on his just a few minutes of seeing what I had going on and what I said to him, he's like, you know what, what what's the matter with putting the brakes on? Put pause. Not walk away from what you want to do next, but take a little break of taking on more debt load. And, and like I said, I talked to other people and they said it maybe that didn't quite say it the way he said it. but And it just sort of clicked that for whatever reason that one day I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Because I guess my thing has been, you know, well, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I got to, you only get so much, to, you know, if I need, I need this piece to do this and I need that to do that. But, you know, we're at a point where I can make work what I have work. And maybe, you know, maybe a while back sooner, if I would have got that advice, you know, maybe I would have done things a little different. Like, okay. But, um, yeah. Cruise control a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I was, you know, trying to, I guess the big problem, the not problem, the issue was, I guess we, Cadillac problem I had is that we had a lot of opportunities coming in. I was trying, I, I didn't want to miss them. Mm-hmm. So I was jumping and jumping and, and well, okay, how can we accommodate to make this work? And Because I went from a guy that wanted opportunities and didn't feel like they were coming fast enough. Well, they came the way they were supposed to, because if they would have came too early, I don't think I could have handled it. I know I couldn't handle it. So, but yeah, I got to this point where, and now I'm still like that. My the GM, he's like, man, because I get, I don't want to say stupid, but Sort of that way. He started talking stupid, like, oh, well, we could do this, we do that. And he's like, oh, whoa, whoa, hey, slow down there, chief. <laughs> right? So he reels me in. Because if my wife would say it, she, she stopped saying it because she saw where we got to. And she's like, well, apparently you're doing, but he sees it and he sees, you know, why was, 
So he's Scott's like the voice of reason to me now. You know, he's like, oh, we love Scott. Yeah, yeah, Scott's good boy. So I needed that one person at the right time to say the right thing, and and so that's the that's where the, where I, at this point is. Yes, it's crazy more crazy stuff that's coming our way that we could do, but we're just pecking away at getting it, and not overwhelming ourselves and taking on all more bunch of crazy debt. Now, some of our listeners may recognize your name from your collaboration with Cabin Masters. I know you have been on the television yep. a few times. Mm. How did that collaboration come about? Because Cabin Masters are known for sourcing main, main craftsmen, artists, and friend of a friend. I guess it's funny because they'd been around for a couple seasons and friend of a friend suggested us to him for something one time and for whatever reason they didn't use us and whatever it was fine finally after season two or season three they reached out to us for a job through a friend that gave them our information and uh yeah it just the issue with them guys is they come up they come see you usually it's a short deadline and you got to produce and we produced in the short deadline the job came out beautiful and that was our, you know, our lead into now what we've done five or six episodes we've done with them because we pulled off that first one, right? We, I think we hit it out of the park and, and they're just really good people to work with. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great work that they do and, and the collaboration you've done with them. I mean, it's top you know, notch, beautiful. You know, you, the, the other thing that's helped us with them guys is uh, when COVID hit, mm-hmm. right? Everybody shut down, we come back. Now, by this point, we had done like, three maybe three or four episodes with them i've become friends with them and we had posted a a post on our uh fire pits Mm -hmm. after coming back from actually i take that back we we posted some signs we do some of them uh, cut out signs on our cnc plasma all of a sudden we're starting to get all these orders well you know usually when someone shares something on your facebook you'll get an alert well i must have not i'm sure i got the alert but i didn't see it yeah and next thing i know like bang, we got like 15 orders for different signs for our website. And I'm like, why are we all of a sudden just like get these crazy? And then I got reading one of the emails and the woman mentioned that she saw Rush, the, the, our post shared on Cabin Master's page. So I, I call Ryan, I go, hey, thanks for, the, thanks for the boost. And we just got back from COVID and you know, we need, and he says, hey, when you get caught up, let me know and we'll share another one. So and then the next thing was fire pits. Well, COVID, no one was around. No one was going anywhere, I'm sorry. And we did a pay uh, 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 an ad for for fire pits, and Ryan shared it. And I mean, I think we sold 250 300 that summer. Which for our listeners, you need to go to Mainly Hale, Handler Ale's website and check out the fire pits. They are unbelievable. We'll even put it in our show notes on the Allen Agency website, which we will link at the end of the show. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they're top notch. Yeah. And that was the thing. I mean, right. They got followers all over the country. We were shipping them all over the mm-hmm. country. I mean, it was just absolutely nuts. So big part of our success is them guys. Mm-hmm. I tell Ryan all the time. I'm like, man, yeah, there's, we have success from other things, but the, the big success with our fire pits and ornamental work is these guys have really done a good job promoting us, which has been really, really, really good. It was definitely a good hookup. That's awesome. What have you read or listened to recently that inspired you? And it could just be something as simple as a quote. Well, how about this one? So this one stuck in my head and I've said it, and it goes back a little way. So I had a hip replacement due to my drinking. (laughs) Uh, I had a hip replacement quite a few years ago. And when I was in the doctor's office, 
the the orthopedics office, there was a you know how they all have those those inspirational sayings on mm -hmm. their walls in their little offices. Well, anyway, this one was uh, it was a aerial view of a, a baseball diamond lit up at night, and in big letters across the top of the picture, it said opportunity, and then down the bottom it says you can't steal second base with your foot still on first. Mm. And I was newly sober. Now I'll say newly sober. I was you know, probably three to five years sober. Mm -hmm. right? I was in that. I was already in that mode of. I, I was already into this whole journey that I'm on, right? Of building my business and changing my life. And I remember just thinking, "Yep, yep." So, just what I just talked to you about, you know, doing this and doing that and taking on, get myself taking on debt to build my business. Mm -hmm. That was always in the back. Of, it's been in the back of my and head since the day I seen it. Is that you can't steal? You can't steal second with your foot, foot still, still on, on first. first. So. It hasn't been recently. This goes back quite a few years, but that's yeah. always my, been my thing when I saw it. And it was like, it clicked with me. I'm like, yep. Isn't that something else too? Because that was so many years ago. Yeah. And yeah. that's still, I bet you can vividly see that. Oh, I can, look, I'm, as we're talking, I looked over the wall like it's there. You know, yeah. I, I can see that thing like, like it was yesterday I saw it. All right. Well, this is our last question. And it's been great. Thanks for allowing me to do this podcast, Tom. What's one thing you really want to learn how to do? <laughs> you already know how to do everything don't you no i don't i'd like to say that but i don't i don't no listen there's a lot of things listen i have fabricators i can all listen i think i'm a good fabricator but i get <laughs> unfortunately i don't get to do it much now my new job is just like we talked about i had to go look at jobs this morning and measure yeah. them and this now it's trust me some days i'd like to have the welding hood over and not have to think about all this other stuff and don't take that the wrong way it's just business anybody in business knows it's just it's stressful right a couple of guys that work for me, sometimes I'm jealous of their skill set. I'll walk through the shop and I'll see what they're doing. I'm like, Ugh. and I'll tell them, I will tell them, it's a good job, man, that shop. I like how you did that. And walk away going, eh, I probably wouldn't have been clever enough to think about doing it that way. But on the other hand, I'm glad say, they're working for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, it, that's it. You know, it's like, this is, this is the guys that I want. Mm -hmm. um, but my wife, I've always wanted to play the piano. Mm. That's interesting you say that answer. My last guest, that was what he wanted to learn how to do, play the piano. I really, really, maybe when I get to a point where life slows down a little bit, which I don't know when that's going to be, but, or maybe I'll just bite the bullet and, and make arrangements to go get lessons. My wife bought me a, like a key, she's been pretty good money on it, a nice keyboard. Yep. And then I have always played around with it a little bit and I can do a couple of things, but it's like, I wanted to learn how to read music and mm -hmm. learn how to. I don't, I'm not a singer, so it wouldn't be like playing the piano and singing for people, but I love this certain songs that, yeah, that's, that's something that, uh, before I die, it's on my bucket list. I want to learn, learn how to play, how to the, play the piano. I know that sounds ridiculous for a guy that's like, I wasn't going to guess that was going to well, be your answer, Tom. And then the other thing, I think I told you this, my donuts. Okay. Right. I want to learn the whole donut trade. Yep. I want to learn how to make donuts like nobody's business and Good start donuts. a bonus a donut shop maybe as a retirement gig and again people would be like what this guy went from that to making donuts how about deep fat frying donuts in your fire pits in the custom fire pits listen we could that can make definitely that happen be done. we can make it happen i wanted to be there for the taste test thing. absolutely well that's it folks thank you for joining us on this edition of allen insurance and financials podcast tom thanks again hey thanks for coming by and we'll see you next time
Thank you all for listening. This is your host, Patrick Chamberlain. At Allen Insurance and Financial, we offer insurance and financial planning products that help individuals, families, businesses, and organizations of all types navigate life's risks and rewards. For more information about this podcast, the services we offer, and the great team of people who offer them, visit allenif.com slash podcast. Until next time.